Every journey begins with a first step. The path is rarely clear, filled with challenges and distractions that pull us away from our ultimate goal. But we can be ready, ready to run the race, to fan the flame, to fight the good fight. With courage and persistence, each step brings us closer. And even though we can't see the finish line, we can be ready for it. Look to the end, run hard, and finish well. All right, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Doing good? Can we give it up for the student band? I mean, man, we've got some awesome, awesome students. My name is Brandon Billups. I'm the student pastor here. Um, and, and if you're here um, for the first time and you're like, oh no, I showed up on student Sunday. Don't worry, God's got a word for everybody today. I really do believe that. But I want to give you a little frame of reference. These students who are graduated or just graduated were born in the year 2000. <laughs> Some of you just felt really old. The year two, you guys completely missed out on the last millennium. You missed out on the 90s. Do you even know what a VCR is or a floppy disk? Did you ever collect Thai Beanie Babies? I've got hundreds, it's, it's what I'm basing my retirement on. They're gonna be worth millions one day, can't wait. Um, and man, you missed out on the, one of the biggest crises that we've ever gone through, Y2K. I mean, man, we, we really blew that out of proportion. But man, I'm sure your parents, looking back, they were pregnant at the time with you, and they're like, oh my gosh, we're having a baby, and there's not gonna be any power, and the world's like just gonna end? Like, what in the world? So there's a, your mom had a very stressful pregnancy. But man, <laughs> I know it's cliche, but I know your parents um, just blinked. And it's like, man, I can't believe you're graduating. It was like just yesterday that you guys were being born. I know your parents remember vividly um, taking you guys, going to the hospital and bringing you home from the hospital. And before they left, they had to pay for you just to leave. You didn't belong to them yet till you paid. And, and that began the ridiculous financial investment that it is to have a kid. Um, I did some research. It costs parents $245,000 to $304,000 to raise a kid from birth to 18. The students, if you've ever wondered, like, hey, why don't my parents have a vacation home? Why don't we have jet skis? Why don't, why don't we have cool Brookstone massage chairs in our living room? You're the reason. You are the reason your parents can't have nice things. That is on you. But here's... <laughs> Here's, here's, here's what I know is your parents have invested a lot in you, not just financially, spiritually, emotionally. Your parents have invested a lot. I know I feel the same way about my son, Beggett. He's two years old. Some of you may um, know Beggett. He's the giant two-year-old that runs around back in the preschool area. He may be in the same class with some of you, and you wonder, like, hey, why is there a four-year-old in the two-year-old's class? Did he fail? Like, can they hold him back? Is that, are they allowed to do that in Sunday school? Nope, he's two. He's just a beast. So proud. Um, but when I look at Beckett, like, it's already, uh, already I'm like, I can't believe he's two. 
Like, it seems like just yesterday we have, I know I'm going to blink again, and he's going to be graduating as a senior, and that is um, crazy to think about. My prayer for Beckett is that he wouldn't just graduate a, a kid who knows right from wrong and knows the rules and grew up in church, but he would graduate a godly man who's passionate about following Jesus. And that's our, that's our goal for all our kids and for our students here. We want you to be passionate followers of Jesus. Church, the most valuable investment we have is the next generation. The most valuable investment we have is the next generation. Students, you've been invested in by your parents. You've also been invested in by this church. This church has invested a lot in you. In fact, everyone in here has been a part of investing in you. Uh, like, yeah, there's your nursery workers and preschool leaders and the Main Street volunteers and small group leaders and Wednesday night leaders that have directly, like, invested in your life. But my goodness, students, people in here have given their hard-earned money so that you can have pizza on a Sunday night because they believe it's important you're here. Uh, people, um, the worship team has invested in you. The tech booth, the cameras, they have invested in you. The greeters, community group leaders who have invested in your parents have invested in you because they invested in your parents. Students, you've been invested in by a lot of people. Man, when you were in the nursery, you were prayed over by our amazing nursery volunteers. I know one of the um, first things when we came here, Beckett was a baby, so we went to the nursery and just like immediately like, oh yeah, this is safe, this is good, because they, they loved Beckett and they prayed over him. And even at that young age, you start to realize to trust, you start to trust other adults and realize this is a safe place. And then you got to preschool and some of you learned for the first time that God made you, that God loves you and that God wants to be your friend. And you started, you learned that, man, I, I want to go to church because it's fun. And there are these leaders who hugged you and loved you and played with you. That's part of the strategy, by the way, parents, that we want our kids to drag you to church kicking and screaming because they love it so much. And then you got to Main Street. You got to Main Street and, and you learned to sing and dance and praise Jesus. And you learned that you need to make the wise choice, uh, that you can trust God no matter what that you should treat others the way you want to be treated. Then you got to middle school, and it all fell apart. <laughs> all of it. No, that's not true. You may have regressed a little bit, but it didn't fall apart. But you got to middle school, and you're going through the awkward stages of puberty and figuring out who am I, what is my identity. But there were leaders who were there who taught you, who hung out with you, who loved you. In fact, right now, there's like 30 middle school leaders over there right now loving on our middle school kids. How awesome is that? And, and they taught, they're teaching our kids that you can follow Jesus, and you should because he knows you better than you even know yourself that you should define who you are by who God says that you are, not by what the world says. Uh, you learn that you will discover that you're a valuable part of a church family. And, and maybe you figured that out for the first time. They also taught you the importance of deodorant. <laughs> Showering at camp at least one time. One time, middle school boys. Axe is not a shower, it does not count. Then you got to high school, and you were way too cool for school, I'm gonna be honest. Way too cool, but man, there were leaders there who broke down those walls, who were willing to fight for authentic relationships, who didn't accept your answer, hey, how are you, I'm fine. No, 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 but how are you really? And they fought for that, and you learned that you were created to pursue an authentic relationship with Jesus. 
Uh, you learn that you were designed to be an active part of a community who points each other to Christ and that you exist every day to demonstrate God's love to a broken world. Students, you've been invested in not by a few, but by this entire church. And man, we wanna see you succeed. We wanna see you thrive. We want you to finish well because the goal is not godly seniors in high school. The goal is godly men and women who will finish the race well. And seniors, we believe that you will. But here's what is scary as a student pastor, um, even scarier as a parent, is that statistics show 50% of youth group kids go off to college and leave the faith. 50% leave and, and just leave the faith. And I don't know about you, church, I'm not okay with that number. Church, this is the most important investment we have as a church. And right now, it's at its riskiest state. It is at its riskiest state. And we shouldn't be surprised by this data because this is what, we, this is what churches have done historically. Hey, you graduated. Good luck. Keep the faith, guys. And then we sent you off to a place filled with alcohol and drugs and parties and sex. And we said, hey, good luck, keep the faith, and we lost 50%. And we lost 50%. I know there are great stories and testimonies of people who have wandered off and come back to the faith. And I love hearing those stories, they're powerful. But what is lost in those sometimes is how many wandered off but never came back. 50% is not okay. Over the past few weeks, we've been in this series, Finish Well. We've been reading through 2 Timothy. Um, today, we're going to be in 2 Timothy 3. We're going to start in verse 10. Um, but Paul was Timothy's mentor, right? We've been learning about Paul and Timothy. And Paul, um, he was like Timothy's small group leader, basically. And he had gone on journeys with him and, and just poured into him. And in chapter 3, he's going to give a charge to Timothy. Paul knows he's at the end of his life. And he knows Timothy's gonna carry on the faith, and so he gives him a charge. And so we're starting verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Sure, we've been hearing about a man in our church named Tim Burke the past few weeks. Um, he's been fighting cancer for years. Um, recently, he was given a couple months to live. We've been hearing from him um, the past couple weeks and watching him finish well. Yesterday, Tim went home to be with Jesus. Man, did he finish well. Man, is he an example to all of us about how we can finish well, please keep his wife, Colleen, their two incredible kids, Nolan and Ireland, in your prayers. Um, a video was filmed a little while back of Tim um, as Tim was preparing for this, and um, Tim's got a word for us I, I think we're all gonna get something from today, so let's watch. What about your kids, you know? I know that they came to you and said, Dad, would you, would you, um, would you make a video of some of those markers that are gonna be in our life that um, whether we're getting our first job or maybe getting married one day or having a, having a child ourselves. What was that like for you to have that conversation? Through most of my life, I feel like I've had a, a little bit of a talent in being able to write. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I started thinking about, <clears throat> you know, writing into their future. 
sharing, you know, wisdom about the things I've done well and, you know, the mountain of things that I've not done well. Um, but they, when I talked to them about that, it was their idea. And they said, Dad, we would like you to record videos. And, um, and I get it, right? I mean, it's not just a generational thing, but it, it's like if you can see somebody and you're looking at them and their voice inflection, all of that, I, I, I get it. Um, but it was more than that. It was that they had already thought about things that, that they wanted me to discuss, right? And so uh, part of it was practical things. Part of it was, you know, uh, going to college. Um, you know, they're, when they get out of school, you know, first jobs, right? What, what they should study. And then, you know, you get into, to, uh, they were completely open to like dating and how you act on, you know, your initial first dates and to talk to them about um, the Bible and key portions of scripture, leadership, um, serving people, being a servant leader. So we got into a, a lot of different areas where my, and my list keeps growing. And you know, last week I was talking to my daughter just about humility. And um, so to be able to talk then about Moses and it's gonna be a lot. And some of them of course are gonna get, you know, they're gonna, they'll get emotional, man. I mean, you know, um, not being there when they graduate from high school, from college. Um, you know, um, not being there to, you know, walk to Ireland down the aisle, you know. Um, those are things that, um, those are things I will miss tremendously. And, so to be able to record stuff that they'll look at on those days, I just want them not to jump the gun and look at it all ahead of time, right? <laughs> but um, I think that'll be special. Yeah. But the, those are the hard parts, Jeff, is that you know those, those really crazy special days are, that are ahead and you won't be there. So. Um, yeah, I appreciate everybody praying for me with, with those. I'm sure that that will be uh, joyous and fun and it'll be great, but it'll also, there'll be a lot of tears because you can easily put yourself in my position. It, it, all of you can. You can put yourself in my position and think, if I had to record messages for those days instead of being there. So we'll see. I have no doubt that the first thing Tim heard when he stepped into heaven was, man, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, I know when I first watched this video, I was convicted. Uh, I was convicted, I thought, what am I writing into Beckett's future? Uh, what am I writing into my son's future? How am I investing in him now? Listen, all our days are numbered. I might not make it home from church today. We're not promised anything. What are you writing into your kid's future? What are you investing? Tim wrote into his kid's future just like Paul was writing into Timothy's future. 
I was talking this week about this scripture with uh, our Belmont Heights campus pastor, Nick Allen. He's a smart guy. And he said something that I just had to talk about today. He said, volume equals value. Volume equals value. Like what you say over and over and over and over communicates what's important to your kids. Uh, what they hear the most. So what is it that you say the most? Is it grades, 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 grades? Is it sports? Is it practice? Is it work? Is it, what is it? What do they hear the most? Because what you say most communicates what should matter most. What you say most communicates what should matter most. And this is so important because when your kids are young, they'll do what you say, but when they get older, they'll do what you do. When they're young, they'll do what you say, but when they get older, they'll do what you do. And this is so much bigger than your kids not seeing you do bad stuff. Man, what are your kids seeing? What are your kids hearing? Do they hear you talk about Jesus all the time? Is your conversation in your home saturated with the gospel? Do they see you in the word of God? Do they hear you worship? Uh, do they see you being generous? Have you made church a priority? What you, what you say most communicates what should matter most. Paul continues on in verse 12. He says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being Deceived, And so Paul tells Timothy right away, like, hey, let me, let me start off by encouraging you that everything is terrible and it's getting worse. You're going to be persecuted. Hey, you want to live a godly life? Awesome. It's going to be terrible. That's, that's what he's encouraging him with. But I love that he's, he's being so real with Timothy. He's saying living a godly life is difficult. Living a godly life is difficult, and, I, and being a casual Christian isn't that hard, if that's even a thing, uh, where you just go to church every now and then but never talk about Jesus. It doesn't really affect your life. You don't really live it. That's not hard. But man, to live a godly life, that's tough. To be a godly man or woman in college, that's tough, students. Uh, but to be a godly man or woman in the business world is tough. Man, in this culture, it's tough. And listen, students, you may not be persecuted the way Paul was, uh, but living a godly life is going to be difficult. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have temptations. You're going to have to make sacrifice. You have to decide for yourself, was this my parents' faith or is this mine? Am I going to live this? You may have to sacrifice relationships. Uh, you may have to sit in your dorm room lonely because everybody else is out partying. Living a godly life is difficult, but it's worth it. Verse 14 kind of takes a turn. Uh, Paul, Paul starts with, he gives them all the rough stuff up front. It's going to be hard. It's only getting worse, all that. But then he says, Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ Jesus. Students, what Paul is encouraging Timothy with is what we want to encourage you with. Continue in what you've learned. Continue in what you have been convinced of. Remember preschool, God made you. God loves you. God wants to be your friend. And it still applies. Main Street, trusting God no matter what, uh, that still applies. 
defining yourself by who God says you are, not by who the world says you are? Yeah, all of this still applies. He says, because you know from who you learned it. I, I almost missed this, and God just like threw it at me last night as I was studying. He says, listen, continue what you learned, continue in what you've been convinced of, because you know from whom you have learned it. Because of all these who have invested in you, because of your small group leaders and your preschool leaders, because of your main street, the nursery workers, continue in what you have learned. Then he goes on to say, and, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. Then he goes to verse 16, he says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Students, continue living by the word. Man, this is what we can trust in. This is what is God-breathed. This is what is useful. And, and why? Because so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped so that you guys will be equipped in your next phase of life so that all of us will be equipped wherever God has us. That's why we have to stay in the word. There's some other verses I just wanna read real quick about why it's so important to stay in the word. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Luke eleven twenty eight. 28, he replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. John 8, 31 through 32, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And this last one I love, Psalm 119, 9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your Word. Students, you got to lean on the word because, man, it's only through Jesus that you can finish well. It's only through Jesus that any of us can finish well. It's only through Jesus you can say no to temptation. It's only through Jesus that you can be a light in a dark place. And that is our prayer for you, students. Church, I think we can help them with this too. Um, there's a book um, written by Dr. Carapal and Dr. Chap Clark called Sticky Faith. And the Fuller Youth Institute wanted to know why we're losing 50% when they go off to college. Uh, they wanted to know what is it that, that has made them stick or not stick. So they did years of research on kids that left youth group, went off to college to find out what was it that made their faith stick and what didn't make it stick. And they found some things. The first thing is this, students weren't ready. Only one in seven students felt prepared to take on the college life. And they don't feel ready. Number two, the first two weeks are vitally important on whether a student would maintain their faith or not. The first two weeks. Number three, five adults were key. If they were connected to five adults who cared about them and cared about their faith, man, their, their faith was going to stick. Students, at the end of the day, this is your faith. You have to own it. No one can do that for you. So here's my challenge to you guys. Wherever you are going, find a church in those first two weeks and get plugged in. Why? Because that's where you find your community. Those are the people you want to surround yourself with. We don't want you to be on the wrong side of that 50%. Church, right now, our investment is at its riskiest state. It's 50-50. That's not good enough. Students don't feel ready. 
The first two weeks are important and five key adults. So church, here's what we're asking you to do. In, in your worship guide, you've got a picture of a senior. Looks like this. This is my friend, Zach Holman. He's very good at nine square. I'm glad he's graduating. I might win now. Um, will you take this, put it somewhere, put it on a fridge, put it on a mirror, put it somewhere where you're gonna see it. Will you pray for this senior over the next year? Over their first year of college, will you pray for this senior? How cool it will be to have hundreds of people praying for one senior their first year of college. And what a difference that will make. The second thing is, is some of you, maybe you, you want to take the next step in encouraging our students over their first year of college. Here's what we want to do. Um, we, we want to reach out to students over the next year. We want our church to reach out to students over the next year. So maybe that's a phone call. Maybe that's a text. Maybe that is writing a letter. Hey, praying for you. You may not even know me. Uh, I go to Rolling Hills. We love you. We're praying for you. Here's some encouraging scripture. Uh, maybe it's sending a care package. Maybe it's ordering them a pizza with a message that says, enjoy this pizza, then go read your Bible. Like, I, I don't know. It, it could be all sorts of things like that. Uh, but here's, here's what I know. There's going to be times where these seniors are going to be sitting in their dorm. Man, they're going to be lonely, or, or they're going to be discouraged, or they're going to be struggling. And man, what it would mean to have people from their home church say, hey, we're still with you. We still believe in you. We still love you. And to get that little bit of encouragement. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put my email um, up on the screen with the subject line, sponsor a senior. If you are interested in being a part of this, just shoot me an email. Shoot, uh, shoot me an email and just say, hey, I wanna be a part of this. Um, I will gladly sort through tons of emails so that we can have our church reaching out to our students over their first year of college. Church, we gotta do more with our investment. Man, we, we have to do more. Students, and this church is with you. Man, we, we care for you, we love you, we want you to finish well, and we believe you're going to. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for these students that you have entrusted us with, with this investment that you have given to this church. God, I pray protection over them. God, I pray for strength as they go into the next phase of their life. I pray, God, that their faith would, would more than ever become their own and they would fearlessly live out the gospel wherever they're going. God, I thank you for your word, how it teaches us, how it molds us. God, I pray, I pray we wouldn't just hear, but we would apply it to our lives that we would all be in the word, that, that, that we would lean on this for all that we do. And so God, we pray for our students, we lift them up to you. We know they're yours and you love them. God, we pray that they would glorify you with their lives and they would finish well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Brandon. We're now gonna continue our time of worship through a time of giving. And so if there are the ushers in the room, you guys can come on to the front. We're gonna be passing around baskets. And if you are a guest this morning, it's your first time with us, all that we really want from you is to learn a little bit more about you. And so on that communication guide, um, in the worship guide, we'd love to hear about you, how we can reach out to you and connect with you and pray for you. Let's pray for the time of giving. 
God, thank you so much for an incredible morning. We're so thankful for how you care about each and every one of us. Thank you for caring so much about the next generation. I absolutely love all of the preschoolers and kids and student at, students at our church. And God, this graduating class, we're so proud of them and we're so excited for them as they journey into the, this next season. God, use these gifts, um, these offerings to further your kingdom and to continue to allow us to pour into people to show them your love and your truth. We love you so much. Lord, in your name, amen. Now we're going to watch a video and get to hear from a couple of our seniors. My name is Talisa Rochelle, and I am 18. It was back to like the eighth grade, and I had just moved here to Williamson County, and I met this girl. She's in the student ministry as well, Jessica Evangelista. I met her at school, and she invited me to church one Wednesday night. So I came, and it was super like casual and very comforting, kind of like homey, I began to go to church, not just for the benefit of socializing, but actually to learn more about God. I went to camp, and that fall, I got baptized. My name is Evan Carr, and I am 18 years old. I started coming on Sunday nights to uh, the youth group, and just right from there, uh, I started getting a little bit more invested. I started, you know, getting to know the other guys in that small group setting, and at camp, um, the worship there is just so powerful, it's so different than uh, any other place I've been. And you just get to be with the guys you've been all year long, the same leaders, the same guys, and you just get to experience that with them and just kind of grow closer to God, but closer to them at the same time. And that's what really pushed me to get into student ministry even further and make it a priority in my life. It's just such a different atmosphere here at church versus like at school that it's just, it's attractive and it's something that you want to keep coming back to. You keep wanting to find that because I was here at, you know, student ministry with Rolling Hills, I've developed relationships and I've gotten that sense of community here. I started serving Sunday mornings and I began to get more involved. Last summer I went to South Africa and I feel like that was just a time where I just obeyed God and I was really scared because it was my first time out of the country and I think that time really showed me how if God wants you to do something, he's going to provide because it was, a, it was an expensive mission trip, but everything, it was paid for it's all through donations. Um, so God really blessed me with providing for that mission trip that he called me to go on. So I think it really taught me that don't be afraid to do what God has called you to do because he's always going to provide. The most important thing that I've got is that um, the church is a we thing. Sometimes I can get to the point where I feel like um, I need to carry myself. I need to be reading my Bible to be growing as a Christian. But really it's that I need to be with others and we need to be together in that. We need to hold each other accountable. It's really shown me that church is a we thing. It's, it's a community base and that's how God designed it. When I first came to, the, came to Rolling Hills to the student ministry, my relationship with God was non-existent. But the more years I've been here, the um, more firm my foundation with God has become. And I think that's just going to solidify my future with God.
Well, my name is Jen Hendrich, and I have the privilege of being student minister here, and I get to be a part of what happens in middle school ministry and high school ministry all week long. So it is absolutely an honor to stand up here with so many of our graduating seniors here today. I want to let you guys know a little bit more about them and what their next step, their next year of life is going to look like. So this is Kendra Butler. She's graduating from Franklin Classical School, and she's attending Liberty University in the fall to study aeronautics. Evan Carr is graduating from Page High School and he's attending Liberty University in the fall. He's gonna major in church ministry and Christian leadership. <laughs> Noah Clark is graduating from Renaissance High School. He's attending Columbia State and he's gonna be studying business. Carson DeGuire is graduating from Franklin High School and he's attending UT Knoxville to study business in the fall. Jesse Evangelista is graduating from Franklin Classical School. She's attending Troy University to study American Sign Language and Special Needs edu Education. <laughs> Zach Coleman is graduating from Independence High School. He's attending Columbia State and he's gonna be studying business. <laughs> Zach Lockwood is graduating from West Harpeth Christian Tutorial. He's attending Lipscomb University and going to be a part of their contemporary music program. <laughs> Talisa Rochelle is graduating from Centennial High School. She's attending Columbia State and going into the medical field. <laughs> Kyle Scoggins is graduating from Page High School and he's attending Mississippi State University to study biochemistry. And Justin Simons is graduating from Centennial High School. He's attending Columbia State in the fall and pursuing an associate's degree in pre-health sciences. <laughs> to my right is Mark Simons and Carrie Clark. They're not only parents of two of the graduates here today, they have been small group leaders with this class for several years now. So it's my honor to pass the mic over to them as we pray for our graduating class. Would you guys join me and stand as we pray for this group as they head into a new year? Okay, guys, we're going to pray over our young men and women. And we're going to go back to a verse that when I was the tallest one in the class, we started memorizing. <laughs> Something happened along the way. So this is a verse that these guys committed to memory, wanted to be their uh, verse for a uh, passage of scripture that kind of identified their group. And it's from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. So just join us in prayer with us. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derive its name. And I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all he can ask for or imagine according to his work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, Mark. We love you guys, and we love all of you guys. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you all have an awesome week. We'll see you next week. And God, our